welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Stephen O'Brien, who is the city clerk for the city of Guelph. No, this is not a repeat, but it is part two of two of a longish pre-election discussion with the man who runs our municipal elections. Last week, we covered the transition from the previous council to the new one, and this week we will look even further into the future to the next election, the one in October 2026. You will hear in this podcast that planning for the next election begins almost immediately after the one that's just completed, but there are a lot of complicated questions that need to be answered before the time comes to vote again. The next election is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Now, you may not be really in a mood to think about voting again. We've had three elections in the last 13 months, but elections don't grow on trees, so to speak. Thousands of human beings put hours of planning and setup and execution into an election. And in the case of municipal elections, it's just one of the functions for a city department responsible for overseeing and executing the public meetings of council and committees in the entire City of Guelph organization. The tricky part is that each municipality has to decide on the best way to execute their own elections. And yes, there is such a thing as the Municipal Elections Act that gives you the broad rules, but it also gives city clerks a lot of wiggle room in terms of how they run their own city's elections. That's why some places have internet voting and others don't. It seems likely that in the next couple of years that clerks will once again be talking about that I-word, not only as a way of encouraging anemic voter turnout, but also as a way of making the election generally more accessible. That was the crux of much of the debate around accessible options last year when looking at alternative voting methods. There are, of course, still a lot of concerns about internet voting, but one of them will likely be resolved by the time 2026 rolls around, with the administration of the list of electors moving from the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation, or MPAC, to Elections Ontario. There will be a lot of administration stuff to do before 2026, and then there's the rare instance where the clerks are called upon to run an election sometime in the middle of the term. Something like a by-election to replace a councillor who either dies or moves away. So on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast, we will look at some of the considerations as we officially start the countdown to the 2026 municipal election with Stephen O'Brien. We will talk about the planning for the next election and when it begins, how his staff examines the potential voting methods, and whether increasing voter turnout should be a consideration when those decisions are made by his office. We will also talk about internet voting, the arguments for and the arguments against internet voting, and whether the distribution of candidate information should be a part of the clerk's office's job when running an election. And finally, We will talk about updating campaign rules, the effect of misinformation and conspiracies on his job, and O'Brien's ideas about what an ideal election would look like. So I caught up with Stephen O'Brien last week via Zoom. Okay, Stephen O'Brien, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, happy to be here, Adam. Thanks for having me. Okay, so looking at... Let's start off. It's election night. It's, you know, however late it is, you get home, you get into your nice warm jammies and go to bed um when does the planning for the next election begin is it like the 26 you are up and at them (laughs) that's a great question you know no i don't think it does i mean we are we are always thinking about the next election sort of uh in a in a in the back of our minds but i think as i mentioned in, in the last recording we did um 
you know, there's a lot of closeout. There's a lot of election closeout. Uh, you coined it as transition. We might coin it more as sort of the the onboarding and orientation um, aspect of things. So we're very heavily involved in that right now. Um, but, and I mentioned in the last recording, we had the, the, the surveying we do, right? We're going to gather data from the people that worked with us, the candidates, uh, the public and the electorate that voted uh, or didn't vote um, to get their inputs. And so that's really, I think, what, what then starts to generate that work. We've got closeout reporting to councils I mentioned at our last recording um, that will also sort of spur some initial thoughts and thinking about 2026. Um, but what I will say is we're always ready for an election because we have to be. We have to be ready at a moment's notice to, to manage a by-election if that case were to arise. Um, and so we're always thinking about what what the next election event is, and we're res well-resourced to be able to do that. Um, but I would say we probably don't start thinking about the next election probably until the calendar year next year starts, so 2023, mm -hmm. and then we begin to really think in earnest. We've got some, some requests from council to report back in early 2024, so that does give us a line in the sand to sort of think about and shoot towards as well. And I can imagine some of the circumstances that might drive that sort of early reporting, which we will get to, but I'm curious if you could uh, just talk for a minute about the circumstances by which a by-election might be called. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, by-election could be called effectively if there was a vacancy on council. So that can be everything from a member of council resigning their seat. Um that can, and other municipalities certainly experience that. I think a lot about, you know, the provincial election that happened in June, there's sort of some incumbent members of council from around the, around the province that said, you know, I, I think I'm going to throw my name in the hat provincially. And that necessitates at times, depending on the, on the success of the individual, a, a vacancy on council. So um, that can happen, you know, worst case scenario, the passing of a member, we don't like to think that way, but that's a fact of life. And so that can be a reason why, but effectively any vacancy uh, could generate uh, a by-election. Now, it is council's prerogative to decide to call a by-election or fill it by appointment. We do have a council vacancy policy that attempts to sort of guide council, but ultimately it's their, their decision. The act gives them the prerogative to either appoint or to conduct a by-election. Um, and so those are, the, those are generally sort of the, the, the time and place that some of those things may happen. Right, right, right. So... The election on schedule, October 2026, um, I guess looking at it, trying to figure out how the best way to phrase this or where to begin, but a lot of this, a lot of what's going to change between this election and the next election isn't necessarily generated by you and whatever findings you get from feedback or, or like this. It could be something like uh, in the last term, uh, ranked balloting was available to municipalities who chose it however they chose it but then the province had a different idea so in terms of how much you Stephen o'brien can control and how much is from the the government of ontario i guess how how much wiggle room do you have in terms of making the kind of changes maybe some people are going to ask you for that's a great question i mean i think what we've learned over the last i would say even four to five years uh, is that age-old adage is absolutely correct. Municipalities are creatures of the province and, and beholden to the, the provincial legislature. And that rings through from changes to, for example, Toronto City Council wards uh, in advance of the 2018 election, 
changes to the, so the, 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 the introduction of ranked balloting from one, one uh, provincial government to the removal of ranked balloting from another provincial government. So um, those things are absolutely out of our control. Um, what I would say is it's really important for people to understand council is council has, and I think most people would understand and appreciate this. There's, a, there's, there's areas in which council should come to bear, I think, on, on the processes that will see them elected. And there are, there are aspects of that where they ought not to be involved um, to ensure that there's that arm's length, independent nature of the elections that we, we want and we've come to expect in, in Canada and sort of Western democracies, parliamentary democracies. Um, council, for example, does choose the voting methods that are used, the alternate voting methods. The default is a paper-based system that we're all very familiar with alternative voting methods, vote from uh, vote by phone, vote by internet, uh, vote by mail. Those are all choices that council makes. Even the use of the tabulating equipment is technically a, an alternative voting um, uh, decision of council. Now we've, we've sort of, uh, what I would say is maybe normalize that. Uh, that same vote tabulation equipment is now used provincially, for example. So um, that's a decision that council makes that, that I'm, I, I have no authority. I mean, we will advise, we will, we will conduct research. We will provide as best uh, sort of an unbiased representation of, of the benefits uh, and drawbacks of various voting methods. But ultimately that decision is council. Um, the first pass the post system, as you noted, uh, versus ranked ballot is a provincial decision that's set in statute and in legislation. So that can't be changed, but we have, and we take a lot of time in thinking about it in the city clerk's office, um, how we can make voting easier for people. Mm. So, you know, the fact that you can vote anywhere within your ward on election day or anywhere within the city during the advanced voting period is a decision that we make and we implement the technology that allows for that. So, um, you know, we, we try and make the experience as easy as possible in hopes that that helps sort of keep turnout high. And again, simply put, make it easier for people to get out and vote. Um, but there's certainly things that are, are outside of our control. And I think I covered sort of the key ones there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but as you were talking, though, it's just out of curiosity, is is there a storage room at City Hall where all the tabulators are for four years where they sit? <laughs> and does someone ever go in there and dust? No, yeah. The, the challenge is that equipment can change over time. I mean, four years in, in a technology world. I mean, we, we're on Zoom right now. We, who knows what it's going to be in four years time? So, no, there isn't. There is a storage space where we do supply election or store election supplies. Uh, that space becomes more and more secure as we get close to elections, right? Um, ballots are very important to me, you know, more important uh, than loved ones as I get close to an election. Unfortunately, uh, I, I care for them immensely where they are, what they're doing, how they're, how they're, how they're cared for and stored. So uh, we keep those ballots very secure. But in, in off election years, it's we're storing ballot, empty ballot boxes and right, right, right. Um, hoping that the Sharpies don't dry out uh, in four years time. And I mean, things like the magnifying sheets we supply to electors, we store all of that here in, in city hall, but the tabulators are, are not kept year over year. Uh, we return those and we, we, we procure them in each election cycle to make sure that we're getting the best, the best available op option for, for Guelph electors. Okay. Uh, we're kind of dancing around it too. Um, and this may not have a clear answer, but I realize that part of running the election is promoting the election and, you know, getting people out to vote. And, you know, I, I joked about it on Twitter about, you know, going to the movies and seeing the the, the pre-show ad about going out to vote. But having said that, um, 
you know, voter turnout is always historically very low in these municipal elections. And I'm curious, is there a role that the clerk's office can play? I Maybe not in getting more people out to vote, but in terms of trying to understand why there's such low voter turnout. And is that work? I mean, if the, and if that work isn't being done, like, is that work that does fall under your purview? I, I mean, I think, first of all, I'll say that there's a lot of research out there on turnout at the municipal level. And we're certainly aware of that when new research is conducted, predominantly by the academic community. Um, Ontario's blessed actually with, a, with, with some pretty well-known researchers in that regard. The, the, um, the local government program at the University of Western Ontario is pretty well, well established, um, but researchers across the province are looking into that. Um, and so we certainly pay attention and are attuned to that research. Um, we don't conduct that necessarily in our own way, other than through the surveying that I mentioned earlier, like we'll be able to glean some information. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a tough nut to crack and, and a tough equation to sort of figure out why, um, you know, I think, I think, um, contests at the top of the ballot, as I'll say, right. Contests for mayor right. often drive turnout. I think about in the four, three elections now that I've been here at the city of Guelph, um, 2014 saw a good turnout. And I think that was probably because you had an incumbent mayor um, up against an incumbent sitting member of council uh, for mm. that for that top top spot on the ballot. That that's probably one thing that we we could say was a was a determinant factor and a strong determinant factor in the turnout. In that election, we were 40 plus percent. Um, now that's still horrible in my view. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'll tell you, Adam, is we, you know, when I, I talked about ballots recently, we we have enough ballots that every single elector can cast a ballot. That's that was a hundred almost, I mean, increased as of election day because more people registered to the list that weren't right. on the list. Um, but that was north of 105,000 people in Guelph. You know, so there's a lot of blank ballots that we have right now, unfortunately. Um, yeah. we're ready for it. Um, but so there's factors that dictate that. Um, voting methods to a certain degree can um can have a have a have a have an impact, but what the research that we've seen thus far, and maybe new research will glean something different. It's it's a it's a nominal increase depending on or decrease depending on different voting methods. I think our role really is, as you said, is making it aware to people in places that they might not think of. So um, go to the movie theaters, get out and vote. Um, I was at the university uh, in the lead up to the election and. Uh, it was nice to see on some of the digital signboards the, the work that we've done to, to communicate with the university and, and partner with the university to deliver that message. Um, and putting locations in places that are accessible to people um, on transit routes and and the like. So that, that those are the kind of things that we can do to make an impact. And I think we do a good job at that. I, I again, it's hard to it's hard to tell whether or not people didn't get out to vote because of those reasons or because of some right. of the other reasons. Right. Well, looking ahead, then we're we're gonna kind of kind of build the next election in an unofficial capacity here. And and one of the things I think that came up is voting methods. And you mentioned that there's going to be a report coming back about voting methods in 2024. Yeah. But in terms of like, if council decides that it wants to like do something new, like the now that I'm th- talking about it, I didn't look it up in advance, but you know, like the the machine assisted writing that uh the accessibility committee was talking about last year you know in order to enact something new how much runway time would you like to see in terms of coming up with 
something like that. And like whether it's that or an, a, a new voting method that comes up in in the meantime, you know. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a sense of the timing. Yeah. And the, you know, um, going back to legislative changes and and the 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 decisions that the province makes that comes to bear. Um, in this last election, the deadline to make a decision on alternative voting methods was May in the year of the election. Right. That was a change by this most recent provincial government. It used to be May in the year preceding the year of the election. So we've always worked towards that, that deadline. So effectively, May in the year prior to the election year. So in this context, May of 2021 is when we want to have that decision in place. And many people will say, you know, May of 2021 is an awful lot of time before October 2022. There's a lot of good reason for that. I mean, we've got to procure this. We've got to um, we've got to develop training. If it's new for us, we've got to ensure that staff are trained on it, so that then we can train the staff that will be delivering it. Um, in some cases, they need additional support. So, in 2014, when online voting was an option, um, the resource challenges were actually on the front end to supporting people in accessing the tool. Um, in in the the vote, like a traditional voting method, the resource requirements are on the back end when people are actually casting a ballot, right? Um, so there's a whole bunch of calculations around that capacity and that resourcing that has to come to bear, but we try and get it well in advance. Um, councils ask for details in, a, in, in 2024, which is effectively two years in advance of, of, uh, of 2026. Is not a is not a bad decision. We're, like I'm, I'm quite supportive of that to be able to come back. We may find that we've got to sort of um, bring some information back, um, provide council with some detail. And I think the nice pieces is, is we found that there's oftentimes where they've asked us to come back and research. So we've always engaged with the accessibility advisory committee on voting methods. They will make recommendations. We make sure we provide that recommendation wholeheartedly to council in a very clear and transparent way. And the, the challenge for council is to really balance the, again, I, I mentioned it earlier in the last recording, it's balancing the professional advice from your staff with what you're hearing from constituents. And the AAC is a really good vehicle for, for supporting that, that constituent dialogue. And then they have to find what that best solution is, the marriage between those two things. I think sometimes what we found is, you know, new technology is arising that then gets sort of punted as an option. Hey, let, what about this? Well, if we've already started march, marching down one, one pathway, it can be difficult for us to sort of change gears, reverse, and go through all that contemplation that we have to do. The, the costing of it, which is less of a concern. I don't want to say that it's not a concern, right, but right, right. council makes good cont contributions to an election reserve year over year to help help us you know, stand these things up. But the, the financial resourcing, the people resourcing, um, and thinking about the number of voting methods, right? How many voting methods can we have, should we have, um, how many can we support and that kind of thing. So when you look at this past election, traditional in-person voting, vote by mail, the vote from home pilot, we offered a scent free and scent sensitivity voting location. Uh, we offered additional layers of, of the ability to request ALS interpreters and that type of thing. So all of those are not necessarily different voting methods, but at least three different ways for people to cast a ballot, plus those additional layers. Um, we're a strong team and a mighty team, but we're a small team in the city clerk's office. So it does take us some time to sort of unpack how, how we can support those things. And uh, the last thing I'll say is, and I mentioned in the last recording, elections is one of those things where if we're going to do it, we want it to be done well, because that's the expectation. People, uh, people should be able to go to a voting location, cast about, and the best, the best feedback we get is I was in and out in, in five minutes. It was great. 
Right. That's exactly what we're we're aiming for. So maintaining that standard can be a challenge as well. So I mean, it's it's as you said, it's not so much a um a cost thing. It, it's it's a resource thing. It, it's you know you only have so many people. You only have so much time. Um, one person can only have so much expertise on you know administering one part of the election or not. So simplicity kind of sounds like the best way to go. And I'm wondering, and again, no decisions have been made so far, but isn't the best place to go from here then say, why don't we just have the two methods we have in person, which I don't think that's ever going to go away. And then internet voting, where if, if people have that you know sensitivity to sense or they have accessibility issues, there you go. It, it, that's two. That makes it simple for Stephen and his staff. Um, is that, is that crazy? Not crazy at all, but I think there's a, there's, it's a layered onion. There's, right. there's, you know, when you unpeel that and unpack those things, there's considerations that council has, you know, I know leading into 2018's decision and 2022's decision, a lot of it was around security, um, verifiability, uh, of results and that type of thing. Um, and so there's, um, I think council has to unpack and grapple with those things, right? Yeah, yes, on the surface, it is, it, you know, that would achieve, you've got a remote method, a voting method, and an in-person voting method. Um, both of those can have threats and challenges to, to, their, to, their, um, to the systems and the process. Some have more than others. And so it's that weighing of all those considerations that I think, I don't, I don't envy council. It, it is a difficult decision for them to make, for sure. I guess then... What I'm wondering is if if we give council enough runway um, to be able to unpack those things, like if we like I'm not saying the information that comes from you and your staff is wrong or bad or anything like that, but there is a whole universe of you know debate and discourse about um, it, you know the safety uh, and efficacy of online voting, and there are other municipalities have had different experiences with that. Um, and I've kind of wondered this myself. Maybe we should have like a big community rakeout where we lay all the issues on the table. Um, and it's not just coming from, again, this isn't to besmirch you or your staff, but it's not just coming from that one report from the city clerk. It's, yeah. it's having everybody kind of lay, lay it all out and let council debate from there. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, certainly sort of a, a you know, a, a community wide forum in the way that you've articulated is probably you know, the penultimate way to do that, um, that will take a lot of time and, and energy to, to properly do. Again, I, I, I don't discredit. I think it's a, a good idea. But there's ways that we do achieve that to a certain degree. So mm-hmm. I mentioned the surveying we do post-election. That gives us really good data and feedback, especially if it's statistically relevant and accurate. We can relay that to council, and we do in that report. Um, leading into this election, we convened like a sort of an expert panel on internet voting and remote voting methods. And it was a workshop. I mean, you find it online on Guelph.ca, it's there. And there was good discourse and dialogue. And we had questions from the floor and that type of thing. So we do attempt to, to sort of fold those or the, the principles of some sort of broad-based engagement. We fold it into that decision and that report. Um, the challenge, I think, is that elections are every four years, which is a good time. It gives us the ability to sort of sort right. that, that through in the time. but technology changes, right? right. Uh, even, even technology in the way that we might handle mail might change in the next few years. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but I, who knows, right? 
um, my crystal ball doesn't doesn't look all that all that clear on on certain things. And and you know, predicting technology advances is one of those things where I think we all are sort of un, unaware of what's going to come. So the four years is a challenge. Um, the complexity of the of the issue is is a challenge. Um, you know, for for both staff and council to sort of unpack and and also I think more importantly for the community to understand. Um, I think those I think the community deserves to understand the nuances and the the pros and cons, the challenges, the opportunities with different voting methods. And sometimes that's the big challenge. Right. The city council may have a good wrap around their heads and they may come to their own individual conclusions, which is ultimately going to lead to a, a vote for for an alternative in one way or the other. But I and I've said this all along, I want to make sure that it's like the rank ballot and first past the post discussion we had, right? right? I think it's really important for electors to understand how their ballot is treated and what happens. Like if this, then that, you know, I want to know the if this, then that. And I think the same holds true for voting methods. And so I think that's the big thing for the public to sort of think about. Well, and, and I'm thinking, and we're, we're kind of talking this out as we're talking, but you know, it, it's when you're talking about the internet voting debate, it, it kind of happens in, you know, you see it at the council meeting, it generates a lot of interest, but you get the two camps, you get the one campus like, why can't we have internet voting? We have internet banking. And then you have the other campus like, have you heard of robocalls and, you know, skullduggery and Russian hacking and, and all this other stuff? And it's, it, it, it almost becomes just, just another partisan slap fight, even though there's no political party. And involved. some of it, some of it isn't even malicious. Like in 2018, yeah. we did not have internet voting. Internet voting has been on a sort of steady trend upward in terms of uptake in Ontario municipalities. In 2018, there was a handful of municipalities where the opportunity for electors to vote on election day was reduced because the bandwidth was like, you know, effectively, effectively the, the internet uh, voting solutions that were out there, the partners that they had, you know, you know, to, to, to manage bandwidth and flow of traffic and capacity didn't, didn't have enough capacity and bandwidth. And so, you know, and that from our, from all of the investigations that I've read about that event, not malicious, right. um, not some kind of foreign actor or an attack from a foreign actor or a domestic actor that had malicious intent, simply just someone didn't open up the pipeline enough. Um, <laughs> and, and so there's a whole bunch. I mean, now again, Adam, here's the thing that exists for vote by mail too. Right. Right. I've heard of the first time we did vote by mail in Guelph was 2022, this past election. There's been many municipalities, many rural communities sort of pioneered that, that method of voting. Um, and they were, I, there, there's stories from municipal clerks where, you know, a, a Canadian union of postal workers, the Cup W union on a strike or a, or a job action. And now what? Now right. people can't return ballots. So it's those, it's those, external factors or those externalities that can come to bear on elections that I think makes it such a difficult thing for council to figure out. And I, I remember being asked it, can you guarantee the, the security? I can't guarantee the security, you know, full and full through for things like vote by mail, internet voting, even in person, right? Some people can be coerced in person, right? Sure, sure. They take an oath, they're accompanied behind the voting screen by a family member to help them interpret um, but maybe there's coercion that happens. And what happens behind those voting screens is a private thing. And that's that's a principle in the act. We have to we have to hold the privacy of the election. Um, so it's those externalities, it's those factors externally that I think council struggles or can struggle with um, because it's it, it's a difficult thing to unpack. 
Well, looking at some of the mechanisms, then I, I know there was some discussion, and I don't know where the, the, this is, so maybe you can enlighten us uh, of moving the municipal voting list away from MPAC to Elections Ontario. Is that something that's are, are you aware that's in the works? That's at, that that as I understand it now, that is happening. Okay, uh, and that will be in place for the 2026 election. Um, MPAC, uh, which for the, your listeners is the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation, has handled um, the enumeration process for municipal elections for many years, 15, 20 plus years now, I think. Um, they, uh, they're transitioning that responsibility to, or the province has, has enacted legislation to transfer that um, responsibility to Elections Ontario. I think that's a good thing, um, yeah. not to discredit uh, MPAC at all, but their primary mandate is their name alludes to is, is assessment, <laughs> property assessment in the province. Right. Um, we find that they understand property details very well. Uh, they know that there is a house or a dwelling at this address, or there's multiple dwellings at this address, um, and that that's within the boundary of Guelph, and it's within this ward, and that, so they're very good at that. The people side of things is, is a bit of a, a nuanced difference for them. I think one standardized list that is managed by Elections Ontario is probably better because then they have the understanding of the people side of what the list is. So, um, but there's also there's also some concerns. I mean, MPAC did a did a relatively decent job at understanding and delineating school support. So people often mm. forget when you vote, you're voting for municipal candidates, but also school board trustee candidates. Um, and they do a generally speaking a, a pretty good job of of ascertaining that difference. That will be something new for elections Ontario because in provincial elections, you're voting for four, five, six names on a ballot, one of the names of five or six folks on a ballot um, as your potential MPP. So uh, there wasn't that nuance of that composite ballot that we have that adds complexity to our election. So I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic, I'll say. Um, I think the fact that Elections Ontario is, is an elections authority is probably a, a good first step um, yeah. for that list. And we hope that it does. We do see some action. We didn't have a whole lot of issues with the voters list. This time around, um, certainly some folks, uh, populations that we know move or transition, um, student populations, especially in and around Conestoga and the U of G, um, and then also long-term care populations mm. tend to be, for unfortunately, for the reasons we all know, tend to be um, transitory in terms of list to list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, some of our older citizens are the most dedicated to getting out to vote. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, one. That's one where we we handle that enumeration on our own. So yeah. we work with those long term care facilities to get the list of residents, and they're verified by the administrators of those residences to make sure that we capture them all. Maybe to sort of wind up the conversation, some issues coming out of the election that people have sort of flagged. Um, number one is, and I this has popped up in different letters to the editor and things like that. Rules about using social media, and in particularly rules about uh, candidate uses what uh, an account uh, for their council business, and then use the same account for election business, that, which is not breaking any laws. But um, is that something that we can work on in the city, or is that something that we would need uh, continents from the provincial government to work on? No, that's one of those decisions that council can make. So the Municipal Elections Act says that that councils are required to pass um, a policy that guides basically the use of corporate resources. So um, many municipalities have, um, we Guelph included, we have that policy obviously in place. 
other municipalities have uh, more detailed wording in there around, you know, the incumbent's use of social media platforms and 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 the like. So um, that's one of those things that in between election cycles, it's one of those policies that will be scheduled and slated for review and renewal. Um, we'll evaluate what some of the best practices are. We'll obviously be cognizant of any provincial legislative changes, and we'll make sure that council is aware of that. And so that they, they're making that decision on that policy as well. I imagine part of the difficulty is the language because, uh, you know, something like Twitter is not a corporate resource. It's a Elon Musk resource, I guess, is <laughs> to look at it. Just recently, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, corporate resources, you think in hard and fast terms, right? Uh, I'm, you know, sort of maybe dating myself, but use of corporate letterhead might might be one right. thing right? Uh, back <laughs> in the day. Now it's now it's you know even use of technology, right? So candidates that are incumbents should not be using city devices right. um, for to support their election uh, or their re-election campaigns. Um, and we do you know use of facilities, use of different city properties, that kind of thing. It's all sort of encompassing, yeah. Right, right, right. Here's another thing, and this may be even more difficult, but, you know, the, the role of sort of misinformation in in our sphere in terms of, you know, candidates who are attacking incumbents for certain things that are probably not true or candidates who this is from the school board. But, you know, there was a candidate running for school board in wards two, three, four who didn't have a campaign website, but on his signs, he had a link to a website that took you to a I guess a, a a website that was arguing for a, a pan Ontario slate of candidates who have a certain political ideology is is there is there anything there that the city can work on? Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, I think it's a challenge. I mean, one needs only sort of skim the news, whether that's uh, the evening news that you watch or the the news agencies you follow on a social media channel or um, whatever whatever methodology you get your news. I think unfortunately that the you know, misinformation and disinformation is something that's that's a growing concern for um, any level of government, internationally, nationally, subnationally, et cetera. Um, I'm not sure that there's a there's a place for the city. I always say that you know the one true place to get information about voting and the 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 processes around voting is Guelph.ca/vote. We 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 promote that site uh, quite heavily. Um, with complete respect to candidates, we want electors to get their information about where they vote, when they vote, how, in terms of the technology, the methodology that they're going to vote with, not necessarily how they, in terms of who they choose, but that should come from us at the city. That's that's an apolitical, non-biased, just information that we should provide. And that's where where people should, um, should be focusing their energy. Many candidates do redirect to our site in that regard. Some would paraphrase and at times we would find sort of some, <laughs> some errors or omissions and things and we need to correct those things or, or seek to them to be corrected because we can't obviously come to bear on those sites. Right. Um, but I'll say something, Adam, that I think is, is true to you and, and your, your colleagues in the, in the local um, news media community. Um, I think people want to look to media to get that one truth about candidates and what they stand for and what their backgrounds are and what the platforms really mean and unpacking those things and, you know, hard hitting questions of candidates and all those things. And that's tough today. The the local media scene, I don't need to tell you, I mean, it's, it's a tough game out there. It's not resourced the way it used to be, uh, which is a shame. It's part of, I think, a free press and a, uh, an independent press and a and a and a 
a well-supported press uh, is an important and integral integral part of democracy. And I, I don't need to tell you that I think we've seen that wane in the years past, right? And so, yeah. I again, that's it's a. I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but <laughs> no, no, no. And this may go along with that, but I did note some people have been talking about, you know, uh, media and people sending out questionnaires to candidates as a way of like gathering insights and information about what, why they're running and and what they're running on. A lot of community groups have done the same thing, and I've heard the comment made uh, that you know. Somebody, somebody in the um, vague uh, <laughs> distinction of the term should be collecting all of these and putting them on in place. And somebody was just, and maybe that's a job for the city of Guelph. And so, you know, would you stick to, I guess, some of your pre- your previous statements that you know maybe that isn't your job to collect that information either? Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at um, BC's election. Their municipal mm. elections was the Saturday prior to the municipal elections in Ontario. City of Vancouver had a site where it, they offered like a plan your vote tool. Mm. Um, so you could say like, you know, where's my address? What are the voting locations I can go to? Here's who I've thought about voting. You could drag candidates sort of through an interactive tool onto like what would become a one page printable document you could print out and bring to the voting location, right? Like here's my plan to vote the candidates I support. And in doing that, they had the ability to sort of click on a candidate and list kind of like their key three key platform tenants or whatever the case may be. And um, I think that's pretty unique. I think that's pretty innovative. The challenge we have is, you know, why did you include that and not this as a, Um, as a as a as a tenant, and, and so then you're having to standardize a form. I mean, it's a lot like I think Adam, you did. A, I know you did a bunch of candidate profiles. I know that the Mercury Tribune did a bunch of candidate profiles, and they were sort of set questions, right? Same questions for each candidate. Um, that I don't have to. I don't have to ask you how resource intensive that was. Um, <laughs> that was a little bit. <laughs> so uh, you know, for us to be able to do that, in addition to sort of the the root core things that we need to be standing up again. It, Anything's possible. It just comes down to the resourcing. And I think there is a point in time when the city should be involved in certain things and the city shouldn't be involved in certain things to maintain that neutral apolitical position that we that I think is incredibly important for us to maintain. All right. Well, maybe to wrap up then, um, you've done a few of these elections um, in a perfect world where you could just design the election you want to run. Um, and there's no province telling you what you can't do, and there's no council giving their two cents. What is what is your perfect election look like? <laughs> Any election that has good turnout. Adam, <laughs> um, I can tell you that it's, and I, again, I'm not trying to sound sort of gloomy. There's a lot of work that goes into these things. You know, we're we're doing a lot of work. Obviously, the year of the election, certainly from about June, July, August, right through till October, it gets even heavier. As you know, there's reporting that lands in the off years of the election. So there's a ton of work that goes in here. And I got a, I'm fortunate to work with a really dedicated and passionate team of staff here in the city clerk's office. Uh, and they take their role in supporting local democracy very, very, they, they have a lot of honor and, um, and, and you know, they, they take that role very seriously. It's disheartening when the turnout isn't there. Right. Um, because it, you know, well, for the same reason that all of us evaluate that, that calculus, but um Yeah, a method, a a system, a method, a a process that just sees more people getting involved in what I don't need to tell you or probably your listeners is the the level that's closest to them that most impacts their day to day lives. Um, 
that's what I would love to see. So <laughs> whatever that silver bullet is, that's, that's, that's the election that I want. <laughs> All right. Well, you have four years to craft one, but, uh, <laughs> Stephen O'Brien, uh, just thanks for all your, uh, all your expertise and your hard work. And uh, I hope you uh, enjoy these salad days before the planning of the next election begins. But for now, just uh, thanks for hopping on with me today. Great. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate you having me. Take care. And once again, that was Stephen O'Brien, the Have Your Say survey for the city of Guelph. And the election feedback from 2022 is now closed, but you can still get in touch with the clerk's office anytime by sending them an email at clerks at guelph.ca. The next meeting of council is on Tuesday, November 22nd at 10 a.m. to discuss the city's response to Bill 23. That report will be posted on the city's council calendar page this Friday, but you can sign up to delegate in advance for that meeting. Just do so before Friday at 10 a.m. by sending an email to that clerk's office email address or by searching the delegation page on the City of Guelph's council portion of the website. And that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Source's Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram. And you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we'll see you next time.